Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. So the 1130 series that we're on part three of today is called Ruins, the Harvest You Don't Want ruins the harvest you don't want. Now, this is the year of abundant harvest, and we're believing for certain harvest, but you don't want every harvest. And we've been sharing how to avoid the harvest you don't want to receive. So, let's do a brief amount of review before we get into where we're going today. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22 says, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Cold and heat still remain. Summer and winter still remain. Day and night is still here. So seed time and harvest is still here. As we shared during the Harvest Checkup series, the law of seed time and harvest is an eternal principle. It is still in operation today. It rules more than natural farming practices and finances. This spiritual law, the law of seed time and harvest, affects everything in existence. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. The law of seed time and harvest affects everything in existence. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. The New Living Translation says it this way, Don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now what is the justice of God? Sowing and reaping. The justice of God is sowing and reaping, or you reap what you sow. A lot of people say, well, God did this to me, and God punished me, but it really wasn't directly God. It was actually the seed they sowed. It was his law of seed time and harvest that he put in existence before you even got here. You will reap what you sow, whether it is good or bad. So in the end, it's not really up to God what you reap. It's up to what you sow. And so we've talked about in the earlier series, the Harvest Checkup series, sowing the right seeds and reaping the right harvest. But in this series, we're talking about how to avoid the wrong seeds. And so we've listed some seeds you are to avoid. You know, last week, y'all were really quiet on me. And as I talked about that seed to avoid, y'all were so quiet and just stared. So I'm already prepped. You know, I'll say amen to myself a few times. Amen, amen, amen. Good preaching, Carrie. Good preaching. So I'm ready, even if you stare at me again today. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. It says, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And we said when he's talking about sowing to the flesh is the fallen, sinful human nature. We explained that when you were born again, it is your spirit that got saved. The spirit, the real you. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and the control center for your emotions. And you live in this natural body, your flesh. When you got saved, your body did not get saved. Although we have cute songs like when I got saved, I went up to the altar. My hands felt new. My feet looked new. My weave was better too. But that's not actually what happened. <laughs> it didn't affect anything to your natural body. Your flesh is still your flesh. Your spirit is born again. And so that's how believers can still act like the world. They may be saved and heading towards heaven, 
but their body still wants to do the same things it wanted to do before they got saved. And he might say, well, who's going to win the war between my spirit and my body? Your mind. So if a believer doesn't renew their mind or renovate their mind with the Word of God, as Paul talks about in Romans, then they're going to keep doing the things they did before they were saved. That's why it's important to get the Word on a continual basis and renovate in your mind so you think the way God wants you to think and you live the way God wants you to live. Because your body will do things and want you to do things that aren't good for you. And a very simple, natural example, you could have pie in your house. And you know you should eat a little bit of pie here and there, and you shouldn't eat it past a certain time. But at 3 a.m., you wake up, and that pie is calling you. <laughs> Come and get me. <laughs> These don't count. It's Sunday. These are the Lord's calories. <laughs> you know you shouldn't eat it. And if you keep eating food like that at the middle of the night, it's not going to be good for you in the long run. You might say, well, I don't have any pie in my house. Would you got Uber Eats? <laughs> well, yeah, it'll be okay. But eventually doing that so into your body that way is going to cause harm in the long run. And so that's an easy example. But there are deeper things that we look at in Paul's list of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5 and what type of harvest that can bring you. But we're going to go a different way in the series today. Because if you sow to the Spirit, of the Spirit, you reap life everlasting. It's not talking about eternal life. If you're saved, you've got eternal life on the inside of you. Here, everlasting life is talking about the quality of life that God has. God's life is joyful. It's victorious. It's overcoming. It is healthy. It is strong. That's the life God wants you to have, but you have to sow towards it in order to live that way. Now, let's look at a different type of seed that you want to avoid. Go to Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Now, one of the things that's so interesting about the seeds we've talked about, and we're going to talk about today and the last two weeks, they're so ingrained in culture that you can grow up sowing the wrong seeds just living like an American. And you wonder why certain things show up in your life. Say, hey, I didn't do anything that was illegal technically, but just because it's legal doesn't mean you should do it. Just because the government says you should doesn't mean you should. The government said a lot of crazy things in the past. It doesn't mean you should do it. So it's your responsibility to check what seeds you sow. And parents, it's your responsibility to train your kids to sow the right seeds. So let's look at what Jesus had to say in Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 36. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you. Again, go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. So look how Jesus said it. It's another place. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why do you behold the toothpick that's in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the telephone pole that is in your own eye? Now, some people who aren't saved, this is their favorite passage of Scripture. They may know no other Scripture, but they say, well, didn't Jesus say, judge not, and he won't be judged, so you don't need to be judging people. But that's not what Jesus is saying. 
He says, do not unrighteously judge. Because if you unrighteously judge, you'll be unrighteously judged. How do you know that? The word measure means standard of judgment. The word measure means standard of judgment. Unrighteous judging is using one standard for yourself and using another standard for someone else about the same issue. Unrighteous judging is using one standard for yourself and using another standard for someone else about the same issue. Unrighteous judging is a seed, and how you judge others is how you will be judged. If you judge others unfairly and unrighteously, that is the same way people will judge and treat you. Many people complain about haters, but they sow the seed of being haters themselves. Well, I got all these haters. Well, stop hating on people. <laughs> Unrighteous judgment also looks like, I don't know why they did that. If it was me, I would do this, that, and the other. Now look at your standard of judging. You. How you feel at that moment. How you think at that moment. And how many know how we feel changes? How we think changes. So we held them to a standard. We won't even hold ourselves to the future that is unrighteous judging. And why are you even judging like that in the first place? You said, oh yeah, they did wrong, but if it was me, you're trying to make yourself look better at the expense of someone else. Unrighteous judging. Something else, that's another example of unrighteous judging. The whole canceling movement. Oh, we're going to cancel somebody. They said this, they tweeted this, they're canceled, canceled, canceled. Do you hold yourself to the same standard of the people you're canceling? Because what if you said something stupid or tweeted something stupid? You want people to cancel you? He said, oh, no, I don't know these people. It doesn't say if you know these people or you personally interact with them. It's your standard of judging. You cancel somebody, you're going to get canceled. This is a seed. Harvest is coming. Go to Romans 14. Y'all getting quiet already? <laughs> I already pre-amen myself. Romans 14, verse 1. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Romans 14, verse 1. It says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. So just because you love your fried chicken, don't talk about the vegans. And vegans, just because you love your veggies, don't look down on the people who love the cow and the chicken and anything else they can fry or deep fry or bake or whatever they do. Paul says don't look down on each other just because of what you eat. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Who are you to judge another man's servant? In the same way, some think one day is more holy than the other day, while others think every day is alike. 
You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. So there's some people who get so tripped up. And Paul says these are weak in faith. Well, you can't worship on Sunday. You're a heathen. You can only worship on Saturday and the Sabbath. And they condemn everyone else who worship on a Sunday. Bruh, get over yourself. <laughs> then you get the deep Facebook philosophers Christmas time. Well, do you really know that Christmas is a pagan holiday and they go on all their spiels? You know, I decided to live above Christian drama so I don't watch the videos. But just because Christmas time is coming soon, just so you're not condemned with the Facebook philosophers, the Twitter theologians, and the Periscope prophets. <laughs> Jesus was born in September, which means he was conceived in December. The ancient theologians marked December 25th as the day Gabriel appeared to Mary and she believed. So December 25th is the day Jesus came into the world, just not the day he was born. But don't get tripped up and try to win arguments with people who says, oh, Christmas is a pagan holiday. Okay, well, I won't say Merry Christmas to you. Enjoy your December 25th. <laughs> Happy December 25th. Enjoy yourself. Don't get bogged down in arguments. Don't get bogged down. It's like, oh, you can't go to church on Sunday. You got to go on church on Saturday. Don't get tripped up into that. Don't judge others who are weak in faith and think that way. So those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn or judge another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning or judging each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. So if you are having lunch of someone who thinks it is Unholy for you to enjoy some fried chicken. Don't order fried chicken at the table. Say, well, I'm free in Christ. Give me the fried chicken. I need some extra hot sauce. And by the way, I, you know what? I'll take some lamb too, and I'll take some hamburgers and some steaks just trying to rub it in. Don't do that. You can cause them to stumble. You can cause them to be offended. Cause them to fall. On that day, you eat like them. It's telling you to live the way of love, a way that doesn't cause people to stumble or fall. Go to James chapter 5 verse 9. See, there are believers who are weak and young in faith. They get hung up and want to argue over church days, holidays, and food. Don't get into the argument. Live above Christian drama. Don't judge them for being weak or young. Don't look down on them. James 5 9, I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. It says, since each of you are part of God's family, never complain or grumble about each other so that judgment will not come on you. For the true judge is near and very ready to appear. James 4.11 in the New Living Translation says, Don't speak evil or slander against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. What law is he talking about? The law of love. 
If you are criticizing and judging other believers, you are criticizing and judging the law of love, meaning you aren't obeying the law of love, but making excuses about how it doesn't apply to you. You're saying, well, I can judge them because this, that, and the other. You're judging yourself by yourself, and you set yourself up for your own judgment. That's one of the reasons you'll rarely hear me talk about another man or woman of God from the pulpit if they've done something they shouldn't have. Now, here's one of the examples. That when I was teaching the school of ministry, I had two students who actually lived in the same apartment complex I was living in, so I think I was going over the house for some reason, and they pulled me to say, hey, we want you to take a look at this, and there was another man of God who did something that I would not recommend on doing, and so they showed me the video of the service that the person was in. Now, I said, I'm going to tell you my opinion on this because you're two who I'm training for ministry. Even today, they both affect hundreds of people every single week. I said, I'm training you, so I'll address this with you, but you'll never hear me say it publicly about this specific individual. I said, now, because I'm training you, don't let me ever catch y'all doing this. Don't you ever do this. Number two, this is the reason why it's wrong, this, that, and the other, and I walked them through it. I said, number three, I'm not going to put my mouth on God's anointed. Because even if they did something that is wrong, they're still anointed, and God did not call me to open my mouth against them. There's a place for spiritual fathers and those who are elders to speak to those who have gone astray, but it's not everybody's job to say so. Just because you have a platform on Facebook and followers on Twitter doesn't mean you should talk about everything you see. Because what are you doing? You are judging unrighteously. He said, well, the prophets in the Old Testament told this king, that, and the other. They said that because the Holy Ghost told them to. Don't take on an office that the Holy Ghost did not call you to. Well, you have to be careful with the words of your mouth and with how you judge others. Because do you really want people to judge others the way you judge others? No. Do you really want people to judge you the way you judge politicians? That's why I don't get stressed out by what the president tweets, what Congress tweets, what the governor may say, what local politicians may do. I'm not going to judge them. Oh, they're crazy and open my mouth and post stuff. God didn't call me to do that. He didn't tell me to do that. And if I do that, I'm just entering into judgment and setting myself for someone to come by and judge me unrighteously and criticize me in a way I criticize them. All these things are seeds. We have to be careful what seeds we're sowing. See, Proverbs 16, 28, New Living Translation says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. The Passion, Passion Translation says, A twisted person spreads rumors. A whispering gossip ruins good friendships. You see, the thing is, judging others and gossip is our culture. Gossip is a billion-dollar industry. We look for the gossip of celebrities and all these different things. And so, oh man, they were crazy, and we share what we think about what they did. It is part of our culture. But just because it's part of our culture doesn't mean we have to do it. We are in the world, but not of the world. We have to make a decision. We don't participate in everything just because the world does it. So people say, well, what do you think about this? You don't have to answer the question. Jesus didn't always answer questions asked for him. You do not have to post everything you think. Facebook asks, what are you thinking? You do not have to answer. Please don't post everything that's on your mind. It's not needed. See, now it's not just the words of your mouth that you can be judged by. 
It's the post you post and the tweet you tweet. I thought about calling this message, what the tweet? Because <laughs> a lot of us are setting ourselves up judgment because of what we do with our thumbs. Those are still seeds. Those still bring harvest. You have to be careful what you say. You have to be cautious what you post. You know, there are things that happen, and I feel a certain way about them, but I'm not going to post everything I feel, especially if we only have half the information. Because people get all, all on one bandwagon. Oh, yeah, they did this, they did this, and all the information came out. Like, next subject. But while you already switched to the next subject because you're embarrassed by your judgment in the past, you still sowed a seed. We have to make sure we're not sowing seeds of unrighteous judgment. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Because part of the harvest is people judging you unrighteously. But there's more harvest than that if you unrighteously judge your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. This is a scripture used for communion. Wherefore, whoso shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, not his neighbor. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Who is the Lord's body? Your brother in Christ. For this cause, for not properly discerning your brother and sister in Christ. As you know by context of 1 Corinthians, they were full of strife and were mistreating each other and broke out in a civil war over who their favorite preacher was. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep where many have died early. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. The church at Corinth had become full of strife and erupted into civil war against their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. As a result, there are many weak and sick people in the church, and some died early. In today's culture, we can sow words of strife, slander, criticism, and judgment about others without opening our mouths. We can post it and tweet it. Those are still seeds. Whether you gossip, whether your gossip is a whisper or a retweet, it is still a seed. In some cases, we'd be more blessed if we could keep our mouth shut and take our thumb off the share or tweet button. In some cases, we'd be more blessed if we could keep our mouth shut and take our thumb off the share and the tweet button. You do not have to say everything you think. Go to James chapter 3. We have to gain control over our mouths. Look at James chapter 3. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. James chapter 3, verse 1. At least my one-year-old will give me an amen. <laughs> Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. 
And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it cusses people out who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. The words of your mouth will affect everything. If you allow your tongue to be uncontrolled, it will set your life on fire with hellfire. But if you learn to control your tongue, you can control your life. Just like the bit can control the horse. Just like the rudder can control a boat. If you learn to control your tongue, you can make your life turn out whatever you want it to be. Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keeps his mouth keeps his life. But he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 10.19 says, In the multitude of words there wants not sin. But he that refrains his lips is wise. The New Living Translation says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 18, verse 20. It says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Our words are powerful. Our words can be seeds that harm others and bring harm back to ourselves, but our words can also frame our lives with the power and life and death. Your words are seeds and produces harvest. You have to understand, how did God make everything? He spoke. The whole world was created by words. Your world will be created by the words of your mouth. So you have to make sure you're saying the right things. Just because a song was popular doesn't mean those lyrics need to come out your mouth. Do you really want in your life what you just sang out? Do you really want in your life what you just wrapped out? You have to control the words of your mouth. Say what you expect to come to pass. A lot of us pray for the power of God to be turned up so we can see more miracles, signs, and wonders. But if you're loose with your mouth, the power can't be turned up. Because one moment you're praying for miracles, signs, and wonders, the next point, per, point you're cussing somebody out on 285. Believe. And if the power was turned all the way up on you, the road would open up and the car would sink down and drop to hell because you condemned them with your mouth. God can't turn the power up on you because you run your mouth too much. You got to control the words of your mouth. You have to make sure what you say is actually what you want to happen. And if you don't, don't say it. You know, there's these phrases like, oh, that tickled me to death. What? I'm just so sick and tired, I know, because you keep saying you're sick and tired. Make sure what you're saying is what you want. Your words can frame your life. You can have what you say. Your words are so powerful. When you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you were saved. 
Your words got you out of death and darkness to eternal life. Your words have power. Make sure you use them correctly. Some of you are really good about not saying bad things about others, but you speak horribly about yourself. And the words you've spoken over yourself are now directing your life. And maybe it's because you heard a parent or someone else speak these things over you and you just kept them and said them about yourself and said them about yourself and said them about yourself. And now you believe it. Now they direct your life. I heard one man of God say recently that he was talking about now he's in his 80s. And, you know, he said all his life, I hate exercise. I hate exercise. I hate exercise. And he meant it. And so now he wants to keep doing what he's doing and keep preaching and teaching. And he's in his 80s. He knows exercise is important. And then when he went to do one of the first reps, he stopped and said, I hate exercise. And the Lord convicted him of it. And he realized what he had said for years had dropped down into his heart and changed how he felt about what he needed to live long. You say things long enough, it will affect your soul and your mind and direct how you think and how you live. You have to be careful what you say about yourself all the time. That's why it's important you speak words of life over your children. They can do something stupid, but they're not stupid. You have to make the differentiation. Yeah, what you did was wrong, and it's stupid, but that's not who you are. You correct the action without damaging who they are. I'm not saying just let them go off and do something crazy. No, you correct that. You nip that thing in the bud. But you have to make sure their identity is not their fault. See, the thing is, when God looks at us, we're believers. We may sin, but he doesn't call us sinners. We're still the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Your child can lie, but they're not a liar. They can steal, but they're not a thief. Who are they? They're the righteous God in Christ Jesus, and you have to keep reminding them of that. You have to keep saying that so that what they hear begins to direct their life. Your words have power. Make sure you're saying the right thing. So he said, well, James said, you can't control the tongue, and you can't by your normal earthly means. But with God, all things are possible. So let me give you a few steps as we close. Go to Psalm 141, verse 3. Your words are powerful. They are seeds and they produce harvest. If you don't like what you see in your life today, change what you've been saying. You've become the prophet of your own life. And what you say should be rooted in the word of God. Psalm 141, verse 3, the Amplified Classic Edition says, Set a guard, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. So number one, ask God to help you by putting a guard over your mouth. Ask God to help you by putting a guard over your mouth, and he will. Now, when you ask him to do it, a lot of times, here's how it looks. You're about to say something you normally say, and you have a check on the inside. Don't say it. Don't say it. It's not always going to be like God's going to come down and grab your mouth. Some of us might need that. For God himself to appear and go, Whoop. But more than likely, how he's going to put a guard over your mouth is a check in your heart. Don't say that. Now, you can either just fit in the rest of the road and keep talking, or you can obey the Holy Ghost. Like, you know what? I'm not going to say that. People say, well, what do you have to say? Nah, it's not important. I'm not going to say it. If you ask him, he will do it, but you can't keep overruling his warning. So number one, ask God to help you by putting a guard over your mouth. First Peter 3.10 
says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Number two, watch your mouth consistently. Watch your mouth consistently. Monitor the words that come out of your mouth. So it's hard to do that. Well, if you talk less, it's easier. <laughs> some of you are record talkers. So some of you have more of a job than some of us. Monitor the words of your mouth on a consistent basis. Pay attention to what you're saying. Think about what you're saying. Number three, train your mouth. You can train everything else in your life. You can train your mouth. Train your mouth by putting the word in your mouth. Start speaking the word of God. Train your mouth by praying in the spirit. Train your mouth by speaking good of yourself and others on a consistent basis. Train your mouth by stopping yourself if you start saying something you shouldn't. Train your mouth. Put it into practice. Number four, continually deposit word into your heart. Deposit the word until your deposit override all the other deposits in your life. Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, O generation of vipers, how can you be evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you put in your heart to overflow is going to come out your mouth. So you need to keep putting the word in continually and consistently. You read the word out loud to yourself. You listen to messages throughout the week. That's one of the reasons we put the messages on our app and online for free. So you can hear in the word, hearing the word, and hearing the word. We know faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But as you keep putting the word in and in and in, eventually that's the first thing that's going to come out your mouth. So you have to put the word in until it overrides everything else that's in there. Because you keep putting the word in, it will flush out other things that are in there. Go to Psalm 19, verse 14, and we'll close here. Psalm 19, verse 14. Number five, let Psalm 19, 14 be your daily heartfelt prayer. Let Psalm 19, 14 be your daily heartfelt prayer. Notice what the psalmist says. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So one of the things you pray every day, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I want my words to please you. I want what I think about on the inside to please you. This is what you have to say continually. This is what you have to do consistently. And if you do that, you will train your mouth. And you won't just be so quick to say something. You know, one of the things, you know, sometimes my staff will have to give me some reports about different things going on. And so I'll just reply, interesting. Because I'm not going to say what I'm first thinking. I'm just going to go, that is interesting. Now, am I speaking negatively about it or judging it wrongly? No. I've trained my mouth to say certain things if I have to give a response. And so sometimes my staff already knows what I'm going to say, so they'll say interesting for me. Because the thing is, if you... Always get moved by a circumstance in front of you, always quick to say something. First words matter. So if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Because if a situation, a problem shows up, the first things you need to say is faith. That's what you have to say first, words of faith. But if you don't know the words of faith to say, don't say anything. You say, well, I have to say something to it. 
Say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus, so he's going to take care of it for me. You say, well, I don't know many scriptures. You can say that. You have to take control of your mouth. No one else is going to do it for you. God will help you, but you still got to do it. It's important. Especially we live in days as the power is turned up, we have to watch our mouth. A lot of us right now don't want everything we've been saying to come to pass. Because we say a lot of craziness. Because it's culture. But I challenge you this week to start looking at the things you've been saying, especially things you've been saying since you were a kid. You've trained yourself to say these things so you think this way. So now you have to retrain yourself and speak differently. A lot of times we teach our kids wisdom, but we code it in fear. We say, don't cross the street without looking or with me holding your hand because I'm afraid you might get hit by a car. The wisdom is don't cross the street without me without looking both ways. But now we're teaching them to be afraid of the car. Fear never needed to be included in that conversation. We can say the consequences of not looking both ways is there could be an accident, but that's not what's going to happen because you're going to look both ways and you're going to hold my hand. Watch what you're teaching your kids. A lot of times we teach them fear and they grow up being afraid. And they're like, oh, that's part of the natural human experience. It is, but we're not training them to be natural, we're training them to be believers. We have to watch what we tell our kids. We say, well, you can grow up and be anything you want to be. We're not raising heathens. You can grow up and be whatever God wants you to be. If God wants you to be president, if God wants you to be a CEO, if God wants you to be a teacher, if God wants you to do this, if God wants you to do that, you can be anything God wants you to be. It doesn't matter who tells you no. If God told you yes, you can be it. That's what we tell them now. You can be whoever you want to be. No, you can be whoever God wants you to be. Our words matter. We're framing their lives by the words that come out of our mouth. So be aware of what you say. Be intentional with the words you say. Aren't you glad God is intentional with the words he said? That when he created the world, he didn't go, man, it's dark out here. It'd be that many more thousand of years darker. But he said, let there be light. And light is still expanding. Be intentional with your words. You're creating his image. Watch your mouth. Watch how you judge. Don't judge people by the wrong standard and receive unrighteous judgment to your life. You don't have to post or tweet or say everything you feel or think. Watch your life. Watch what you sow so you receive the abundant life, the good life, and not the life of the world. Amen? I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. You know, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app, as well as follow us on social media. And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially to support this ministry and what we do here in the metro Atlanta area as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.